0: We are starting a new series today called Here and Now, Mastering Your Monday. We have realized that you have been hearing some fantastic things this year. You've been hearing about how to to know God by in all his forms as we examine the names of God in the beginning and awesome God, you've, you've heard about the kingdom of God, you've heard about the spirit of God and how we live in his presence, you've heard about how we say yes to all the great things of the kingdom, and you've been hearing all these things, but now we want to drill down a little bit and say, what does that mean for your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, your Thursday, your Friday? How do, how do we live out these incredible truths in our everyday how did your day start? My word, my day started crazily. I missed my alarm. We, we battled to get hot water. Someone we were supposed to pick up from, for church, we went there and they, they weren't there, so that may, made us even later. Uh, my parents were having a, a difficult morning, so we had to help them with some things. And by the time we were on the way to church, I was like, God, thank you for the object lesson. Thank you for helping me to learn how to bring your presence into the ordinary battles of our everyday. Thank you for teaching me how to live from your joy and your presence, even when it's tough. Lord Jesus, I pray. I pray that each person here would receive truth this morning. I pray that this will be more than just hearing a sermon. I pray that each of them would appropriate truth in a way that transforms their every day. Lord God, we want to be, as that song sung, we want to, we are your church. And we want you to build the church in such a way that there's an explosion of righteousness in this nation. That this nation turns and sees the glory of God. This is what I'm asking, Lord God. Help us to be the church you're coming back for, Lord God. Help us to be that. Amen and amen. And amen. And amen, just another one, just for the fun of it. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Jesus lived your worst day so that your worst days could become your greatest victories. Jesus lived your worst day so that your worst days could become your greatest victories. Where did Jesus live your worst days? Well, here they are. There is a 24-hour period in Jesus' life and his ministry on this earth that is reported in all four Gospels. There's no other time that one day is reported in this detail or across all the four Gospels in our Bible except for his death and crucifixion and resurrection. This is the only time every single gospel writer thought this day, this 24-hour period of Jesus' life was so important that every single one of them said we will write it down in detail. It started like this. Well, I'll give you some context first. Jesus had sent out his disciples to go and preach the gospel in all the all the cities around and they had just returned. Hello, everyone online. You have just lost us. That's because our camera just fell over. And as I said, Jesus lived our worst days so that our worst days could become our greatest victories. Oh, my word, something fantastic is about to happen today. Hello, we're back. We're back. (laughs) We're back. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. This day of Jesus, he had sent his disciples out and they had just come back with the most powerful testimonies. It was like, it was amazing. But, but in this, there was the temptation in Jesus that he had to fight back to become this famous popular hero. They had at various times wanted to make him king and he knew, oh my word, that is not what I came to do. I came to be king of a, a kingdom, not king of the, the fallen world that is around. I came to, I came to eradicate that. Then, an interesting thing had happened. His his cousin, John the Baptist, had been in prison. And there was this horrific murder of John the Baptist. You can go ahead and read it. But what had happened is that Herod at the time had, had said to a dancing girl, who had done a beautiful dance for him and he'd said, as a reward, what do you want? And her mother had said, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. And Herod had gone and sliced off John the Baptist's head and, he, and presented it to the mom on a platter. And this very morning that Jesus, the, the day that we are talking about this morning, Jesus is getting reports back from his disciples of the incredible things that happened when they went out. And at the same time, John's disciples come to Jesus and say your cousin the forerunner of your ministry the one that you love the one that you called the greatest of all the prophets they've sliced off his head and they've killed him I don't know how much good news and bad news how much intensity you've experienced over this last time but Jesus was there Jesus was there the day didn't stop. there. That was just the beginning. That's you waking up in the morning to that WhatsApp that says, from your boss, I want to see you. And the tone, you know. There's no smiley faces at the end. You know something coming, is coming. That's that email you, you open up with, that diagnosis that you just never wanted to hear. It's that, it's that call you get from that loved one who says they want nothing more to do with you. It's that, it's that blow that hits so hard that it just takes your breath away. This was Jesus' morning. So Jesus says to his disciples, you've worked hard. Let's go away to a quiet place. I need time to recover, to recalibrate, to work out what's going on. And the Bible says, you can read it in those, sorry, you can go back to those four lists of um, scriptures. Thank you. You can read the story in those four, in those four places in the Bible, but... He decides he wants to go away to a quiet place. So him and his disciples go away to a quiet place. And you know what happens when they get there? Every single person that has ever heard anything about Jesus heard that he was going to this quiet place and en masse they have gathered and they are waiting for him. 5,000 men alone. Who knows how many women and children? Probably 10,000 in total waiting. Jesus' quiet place, recovery moment has become this gigantic event. And the Bible says he looks at these people and he sees the pain and the heartache in their lives, that they are like sheep without a shepherd. It says he has compassion on them. Instead of turning and running, he takes a deep breath and he says, Father, come. And he turns and he teaches them and he heals their sick. Then, okay, this day hasn't finished. Then his disciples come to them and say, look at all these people. It's, it's far away from food. We've got to feed them. This is the story when Jesus, you didn't know this, but Jesus, when, when he fed the 5,000 from five loaves and two fish, he literally was mourning deeply in his soul. For his cousin. He was battling with the, the weight of the the difficulties of living life on this earth. He feeds the five thousand and and then he says, Okay, I'm going up a mountain by myself. It's the end of the day. It's been hard work. We've worked hard. I've got some business I need to do in my own soul with my heavenly father. He heads up the mountain and he sends his disciples off. On a boat to the other side of the lake. And what happens? A storm arises that is so, so incredible, so amazing. That the, that, the, that the disciples are in danger of drowning. Jesus from the top of the mountain sees this. And what does he do? Just to end of the day, really nice. He walks across the water has an encounter with Peter, pulls him out of the water as he, as he nearly drowns, heads off to the other side of the lake and what's waiting for him on the others? Now this is, they've gone through the whole night. They get to the bank on the other morning. What's waiting for him? Crowds of people. Crowds of people. I want to say to you that Jesus knows how you feel. He's lived that day. That day when you just felt like you needed to be alone. You needed to just recalibrate and the world just pressed in. The problems arose, the difficulties came, the needs, the, the children, the parents, the friends just, oh, we need you, we need this, we need that. And just everything came crowding in. Jesus lived your Monday. He lived your Tuesday. He lived your Wednesday. He lived your Thursday. He lived your Friday. Because if I started Monday, I've got to go all the way to Friday. He lived every day. He lived your days. He lived your days. He knows what it means. And yet he was able to bring into that day something amazing. How was he able to live those days with so much victory, with so much power? We've learned this before, that Jesus... Jesus walked this earth. He was 100% God, but he walked this earth 100% as a man. Why? Because he was living your life. He was doing for you. He was giving you as a gift a life well lived. He was showing you the way. He He was teaching us how to live from God's presence. We are going to be going and looking at a portion of Scripture from one of these stories. Matthew 14 10 to 14 just just the beginning of this we're going to spend six weeks six weeks on this day how do you feel about that so much happened in this day we are going to drill down by the end of the six week you will know how to live your worst days in Christ Matthew 14 is the start of the day he sent and had John beheaded in prison, that's Herod. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. This is the start of Jesus' day. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Before we get into the meat of this, I want to remind you of three principles that we've been speaking about in previous sermons. And the first one is, what is real? I want to remind you, because this, this is the way Jesus lived habitually. We've learned this, that in this world there are two kingdoms, that Jesus initiated a new kingdom. At his birth, a new kingdom was born onto this earth. The kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness are living together in, in this world until the day that Jesus comes again where the kingdom of light will be established forever and the kingdom of dark, darkness vanished, vanquished. You were born physically into the kingdom of darkness. Until you got born again, you lived 100% in the kingdom of darkness. All of your soul was molded by the kingdom of darkness. You learned coping mechanisms to to live through those days. You came when Jesus caused you to be born again and he translated you from that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, as Colossians 1 says. You came into the kingdom of light, redeemed, restored, delighted to be there, so grateful to the Lord, but you came with a soul molded by the kingdom of darkness. That means that every day in our own souls there is a war. We are living in this beautiful, incredible kingdom of light, but there is stuff in our soul that thinks wrongly, that has been molded in a way that is contrary to God's ways. All of this life is God working on that unredeemed part of you and, and, and unmolding the old and remolding something new. So that we can start to see through the eyes of redemption instead of the eyes of pain. So that we can see through the eyes of victory, no longer through the eyes of victimhood. He's remolding us. Here's a statement I want you to know. Just because it seems real doesn't mean that it is real. Just because it seems real does not mean that it is real. What is real? Jesus Christ and his victory is real. You have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You do not have to live that old way. And when we allow God to change us, to renew us, to bring about a new truth, a new understanding, a new way of seeing the world, that is the moment that everything that Jesus walked on on this earth is what becomes our experience. The degree to which it is not our experience is the degree to which our souls are still molded by the old kingdom. Just because it seems real does not mean that it is real. Jesus is real. Yes is no. My friends, you remember that. That to say yes to Jesus means to say no to some things. In order to walk a victorious life, to walk the way Jesus walked, it means that we're going to have to say no to some things. Notice how Jesus said some no to some things. He said no to the anger and bitterness that tempted him in that moment to say, why are these people here? Don't they know I need time alone? He pushed back some things to grab hold of the life of God and say yes to the purposes of the kingdom at that moment. Yes is no. To say yes to Jesus means that you say no to some things. And the last thing I love, surrender his life. Surrender his life. Building up your own comfort, making life just more prosperous, more more suited to your own personality will not bring you life. Surrender to the life giver himself is life. Did you know that the universal symbol for surrender is to raise your hands? Do you know that? Do you know this also that universally across humanity when someone experiences a great victory, they throw up their hands. Blind children who win races, who have never seen another human being do it, throw up their hands in victory. The universal response in humanity to surrender and victory is the same thing. Surrender, surrender to Christ is victory. Surrendering all of your will in your life to him is victory. The ultimate victory. Why? Because he is ultimate goodness. He is ultimate life. So when we, when we examine the scripture, I want those to be the foundations with which you do it. That every, every moment that you face difficulty, surrender is life. Yes to Jesus means no to something. Not everything that I perceive to be real or I experience as real is actually real. Jesus Christ is real. And whether I feel it or not, his truth remains true. I can live in that. So we have a choice. We can hustle or we can hope. We can hope in a God who's gone before us and he's lived our worst days so that our worst days can become our greatest victories. We can hope in that, or we can try hard to just make that work. We can, we can bully our children to get into the car quicker. We can, we can shout at that sister or brother or loved one. We can, we can manipulate our work environment to make ourselves look better and other people look worse. We can hustle. We can, we can try and, um. You can tell when I last hustled. I can't remember how to hustle. But you know what I'm talking about. We can just, just move that money illegally to that other place and just try these, all these kind of conniving things to make it work. We can, you know what hustling is. You've done it. You haven't moved illegal money. I know that you haven't done that. But you know what we've done? We've, we've, we've cut the person off in traffic. We have pushed our way in line. We have just kind of tried to make it work for us. We've hustled. You can hustle. <laughs> Or you can hope in a God who's been before you. And you can take a deep breath and you can say, God, your way, not my way. Your grace is sufficient for me. You are enabling me right now to live what's true and what's right. Instead of anger, I'm going to allow your peace to settle in my soul. Instead of hopelessness, powerlessness, I'm going to receive your power. When I face this impossible situation, when I face that angry boss, when I face that exam, open up that exam and think, oh my gosh, I forgot to study that. When I face those, instead of allowing anxiety and panic to arise in my heart, I'm going to take a deep breath and say, the creator of the universe knows exactly the answer to that question. Lord, speak to me. We're going to live from that place of his presence. Hustle or hope, So hoping in Jesus, how did he live these two days? I mean this one day, sorry, he lived one day. We're talking about his one day. I said in the beginning that Jesus knows how you feel. I think this is an important thing. In order to allow that hope to arise in our hearts, we must understand that Jesus knows how you feel. Jesus knows how you feel. There's a scripture in Hebrews that goes like this. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He knows how you feel. When that, that news came about John the Baptist, that, that's, he felt those emails that arrive on your desk. He felt those memos that came to you, those WhatsApps that came to you, that news that's come to you. He's been there. He's been there. He knows how you feel. When he faced those crowds, it was like he's facing that, those impossible, difficult, tiring, exhausting, never-ending Situations that you face on a daily basis. He knows how you feel. And then Jesus sees you. What I love is when he stood in front of that crowd, you know, it would have been so easy for him to say, Guys, I'm sorry, I'm facing some bad news. You guys just, you're going to have to just hang ten. Hang out here. I'm going up the mountain. You do what you need to do. I need space. Do you know he didn't do that? Because he saw them. He really saw them. You know, when those people sit in front of you clamoring for your attention, you can take Jesus' hand and you can say, Lord, help me to see what I really need to see right now. Not an irritating, person just trying to pull the life out of me. Let me see a person lost and without a shepherd in need of your compassion. Where did Jesus get the compassion that he was able to show to them? At that moment, the Bible is so clear how Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. What did he do? He said, Heavenly Father, what do you say? Heavenly Father, what are you doing? He wasn't ministering out of his own strength. He was ministering out of the power of the relationship of his Heavenly Father. And he's saying this, you can too. You can too. Mark 6, 34, the same story. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, He had compassion on them and healed their sick. Matthew 14, verse 14. When you come before him, he sees you. He sees you. And he has compassion on you. And he heals you. Likewise, when you face the calamities, the difficulties of the day, he helps you to see the people in front of you as they really are. He helps you to see them, to know them, and to have compassion on them. I want to close with a story. I want you to come with me to the movies. Can you do that? The movies. Here's, here's the first character in the movie. A young boy brought up in a wealthy home, fantastic, everything he could ever want. His father says to him, stay in my house, enjoy all amenities, live the full life, But don't go out on the streets after dark. Don't go out on the streets after dark. The son lies down in his bed one day and he says, Oh my gosh, what is my father hiding from me? What is out there in the dark at night on the streets? I want to go and find out. So he climbs out the window, gets into the street, and looks around. What is there? And there is a gang of evil people. They grab him. They take him. They chain him up in their home, and they use him as a human slave to do their work, to, to I'm trying to think what they used him for, all the kinds of things you can imagine. Just he lived a life of bondage and horror, chained, locked away, unable to get even word to his father about where he was. First scenario, change scenes. The father says to the older brother, "Your son, my, my son is lost he He didn't believe that i I was loving enough to keep him safe, and in testing the boundaries he's he's been lost and he's been captured. The older son says, I'll go find him." The older son, the only way to find him." Is to guard on the streets at night and allow himself to be captured by that same gang of thugs. Cut scene again. Are you ready? Back. You're in the holding cell of these evil people, chained up, no food, emaciated, sick, knowing that tomorrow is going to be worse than today, hopeless. And in come your captors dragging a man who's beaten, he's bruised, he's in chains. And you look up and it's your brother. And they throw him down next to you and they chain him up. And as they do, he lifts his head and he winks at you. Your captors leave the room and he turns to you and he says, I let them capture me because I came to find you. The only way I could get to you was to let myself go through what you went through so I could find you. And then with one move, he pulls out his Superman moves, bursts those bonds, breaks those chains, lets you free, and you are like, yes, we're going home to my father's house. And then he says, no, we're not doing that. And you go, what are you talking about? He says, There are other brothers, in other cells, in other places, in just as bad circumstances as you, we're going after them too. And he says, come with me, and you head to the next place. This is the story of Jesus Christ. That he allowed himself to be chained, to be beaten. To live a substandard life so much less than he was used to. Why? Because he came to find you. It the only way to find you. He knows how you feel. And he sees you. He knows how you feel. And he sees you. And now he takes your hand and he says, let's go. Let's find the others who are here. I came for everyone. I came for everyone. Jesus lived your worst day so that your worst days could become your greatest victories because you never, ever have to live them alone. You can live them knowing that the kingdom is real. You can live them them saying yes to Jesus and no to the things that don't count. And you can live them knowing that surrender to him and his ways is life lord jesus i pray for every person here lord god i ask that your power would be present right now that your power would be present right now lord god so many of them are facing difficulties and lord god and lord god the question they are asking is how do i live through this, these circumstances lord god I want to ask that they do not just hear nice religious words, but I want to pray that they would hear your love. Father God, that they would know, they would know, they would know that you are with them. Father God, in the grime and the dust and the brokenness, they would turn to the right and they would see you, and they would see you wink, and they would know it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. This is not a disaster. This is an adventure. Lord God, I pray that the disasters of their life would turn from disaster to adventure. Lord God, they would take your hand. They would feel those bonds burst. And they would find the delight of bringing your power and your presence into circumstances, your truth into circumstances. They would allow your truth to mold their souls, remold their souls so that what looks like impossibility becomes opportunity. Becomes opportunity. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father. As we're in that place of prayer, I felt like there was, well, a friend of mine actually called me up this week and and felt like there would be someone in the service who, who was battling with thoughts of suicide, battling with depression, feeling hopeless. And so, in obedience to the Lord, I simply want to ask, ask this. If that's you, won't you listen to what I have to say? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I would ask you to come and speak to me or one of the leaders afterwards. But right now, I hear the Lord saying this to you. I've seen I've heard and I know and this is not the end what seems like a dead end to you is simply an opportunity for my miraculous power to blow out this wall that I am making a way where there is no way and I hear him saying this take my hand take my hand And I will walk you in a way that you had never dreamed possible. One step at a time. One step at a time, we will make it through. One step at a time, we will make it through. I hear him saying that this, do not give up now. Because the glory that is coming far outweighs this temporary pain that you are feeling. That this will pass and my glory will come. My glory will come. So, Father God, I just bless that person or those people that are here that have been feeling that. And, Lord God, I ask right now that they would feel your presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As we close, I just want to give opportunity, if there's anyone here that you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, or perhaps you have and you took it back, and you want to do that again. If there's anyone here who wants to do that, I want to ask that with every head bowed and eyes closed, that you would raise your hand and just let me know that it's you because I want to pray for you. Is there anyone who would like to do that? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray and ask for your grace right now for every person to live a surrendered life in you, to be saying yes to you on a daily basis. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen and amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. God bless you. Go and live like Jesus is really with you. Go and have a day that is filled with the kingdom. Remember, just because it feels true doesn't mean that it is true. Live like the Bible is true, like God is with you, that his word is true, and that his word is faithful. Amen. God bless you. Have a glorious day.